Welcome. So my name is Jacob, and uh, I am written about in the Gospel of John, and I'd like to welcome you to my farm this evening. And we're meeting here under the cover of darkness because it's about four or five decades after the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. And it's not safe to meet publicly, and so we meet under the cover of darkness because the Jews are persecuting us, and the Romans are persecuting us. And so we meet today in the cover of darkness. And tonight, I want to tell you my story, my story about my interaction with Jesus and the question that he asked me about truth, that I might share that with you. The story of where I appear is from the Gospel of John. And Jesus has been arrested and is appearing in the court of the high priest Annas. And it says this. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken to you openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews Come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. When Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. That was me. I struck Jesus in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest? I demanded. And Jesus replied, if I said something wrong, testify as to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why did you strike me? And that was the question that Jesus asked me. Why did you strike me? I want to take you back a little ways before this night. About four or five days before this night. Today is Palm Sunday. And so I want to take us back to Palm Sunday before Jesus was crucified. Now, I was a good Jew. I followed the rules. I followed the commandments. I listened to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and the chief priests. But I had heard of Jesus, but I had never met... What interesting chords you have out here with Velcro. They don't have this in my time. <laughs> I'd heard of Jesus, but I had never seen him. And there were crowds who loved him. The people loved him. He taught in such a new and a fresh way. He healed people. He did miracles. He loved people who were unlovable. And I heard the stories about that. But I also knew that he didn't like to follow the traditional authorities that we Jews have in place. That he didn't like to follow what the Pharisees said and the scribes said and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, and he was always challenging them. 
And so I wanted to find out for myself, what is this Jesus like? And so on the first day of the Passover, coming into Jerusalem, Jesus came into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. The Passover is eight days long, and he came on the first day. And he came riding on a donkey, on the colt, on the foal of a donkey. Now, most people, when they're a king, they get the biggest, largest, whitest, grandest horse that they can, and they ride in in a triumphal procession. But not Jesus. He was a man of humility, and he rode in on a donkey. And as he rode in, the people cheered his arrival into Jerusalem, and they took out their coats, and they laid it on the ground before them. And they cut branches from the trees around, and they put those on the ground as well, and to create this grand walkway for Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem. And they began to sing, and they began to shout, and they began to celebrate. They said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. He is in the line of the King of David. And there was celebration as he arrived into Jerusalem. But not everyone was happy about this. That the rulers, the chief priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they didn't like that he was coming in like this. And so they tried to tell his disciples to keep quiet, to be quiet, to not say anything. We're smart in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. So he said to them, and he said, keep quiet. And Jesus heard this discussion, and he said this. He said, even if these men keep quiet, even if they are quiet, then the rocks will cry out. Because he was saying that the truth cannot be squelched. The truth will always come out. The rocks will cry out, even if people don't speak the truth about who I am. There was a time earlier in the life of Jesus where he spoke about truth, and he said these words. He said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That if you know the truth and you live by the truth, that will set you free to live the way that God wants you to live. That's who Jesus was. So on this Sunday, there was this triumphal entry, which we now call Palm Sunday. But a few days later, it went very, very bad. And so again, I was a part of the squad of the soldiers of the high priest. And Judas, who was one of the followers of Jesus, was going to betray him, that we paid him 30 pieces of silver in order to betray Jesus. And he said, I will lead you to him. And the one that I kiss, that is the one that you can arrest. And so a group of us, I was leading this squad of soldiers, we went into the wilderness we followed him to the Garden of Gethsemane. And there Judas kissed Jesus. And we knew that that was the man that we were to arrest. But his followers didn't want him to be arrested, as you can well imagine. And one of his followers, a man named Peter, took out a sword and cut off the ear of one of my fellow guards. His name was Malchus. And when he did that, a skirmish was about to erupt 
And we weren't going to take him anywhere. We were going to kill him right there. But then, a most unusual thing happened. The man that we were arresting, he took control. And he reached over, and he touched Malchus's ear, and he healed it. And he allowed himself to be arrested. And so from there, we took him to Annas, who was the high priest actually from the year before, who was, we were kind of getting Jesus on behalf of him, and brought him into our court. And as he was in front of Annas, began to question him and ask him and, and figure out who he was and what he was willing to admit. And we were looking for a way to arrest him. We were looking for a way to kill him. And it was there that it happened. That Jesus said, why are you asking me these things in public? Why are you asking me these things in private when I've already said them in public? And that's when I took my hand and I hit him across the mouth. And he turned to me and he said those words that I read to you a few minutes ago. Why do you strike me if I speak the truth? And that question that he asked me struck me harder than any fist or blow ever could. Why do you strike me if I speak the truth? Well, from there, we took him to Caiaphas. And Caiaphas was the son-in-law of Annas, and he was the actual high priest that year. We took him to Caiaphas, and Caiaphas began to question him, and Jesus said, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so with that, Caiaphas, agreeing with Annas, my boss, said, we will have him killed. But the problem was that we were Jews, and we didn't have the authority to kill him. And so we took him to Pilate, who was the governor of Rome at the time. And so he's before Pilate, and Pilate is asking him questions. And what we said to Pilate is that this man is trying to overthrow the Roman government. This man is trying to take power away from you. And so Pilate questioned him and asked him a number of different questions, trying to get at the truth. And then Jesus said these words about truth. He said, everyone is of the truth who listens to my voice. Everyone lives in the truth who listens and follows my voice. And Pilate had a very curious response. He said, what is truth? What is truth? And that's a great question for us to ponder this evening as well. What is truth? What truth do you believe? What truth do you follow? What truth do you live by? Pilate knew, and I was watching from the side, that Pilate knew that Jesus was no threat to the Roman government. And so he was looking for a way to release him. And so he brought a man out of the dungeons, a man whose name was Barabbas. And he stood in his court and he put Barabbas on one side and Jesus on the other. And he thought that the people would want to free Jesus that day. And so he said, who do you want me to let go today? Who do you want me to free today? And we were instructed 
by the chief priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and their religious people to cry out that we wanted Barabbas released. So I'm embarrassed to say. But when, G- when Pilate said, who do, you want me to be, who do you want to be released? I cried out, Barabbas, and everybody along with me, Barabbas, 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 release Barabbas to us. And then Pilate said, then what shall I do with Jesus? And we all did as we were instructed. And we yelled with one voice, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate knew the truth. He knew that Jesus was no threat to him. But wanting to satisfy the crowds, he released Barabbas and handed Jesus over to be crucified. He ignored the truth in order to keep the peace. He ignored the truth in order to satisfy the crowds. So he handed him over to be crucified. And the first thing that they did is they beat him 39 times with a whip. They said that 40 times would kill a man. And so they beat him literally within an inch of his life. And then they took him out to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And as they took him out there, they mocked him and they spit on him. They took him and they nailed him to a cross, one nail in each hand and a nail through both of his feet. And then they would take a hole that they had dug and they would lift the cross up to the edge of the hole and they would drop the cross in. And it was about that deep. And when the cross hit the bottom of the hole, it would jolt a man's shoulders out of socket. And he would be there hanging to die. Now, some people think that when you die by crucifixion, you bleed to death, but that's not the case. When you die by crucifixion, you suffocate to death. And it's a horrible way to die. And it wasn't the first crucifixion that I saw, and it wouldn't be the last. But it was so different than every other crucifixion that I saw. Jesus was in pain. Jesus was in agony. But Jesus was also at peace. And I had never seen that in someone who was crucified. And the way that crucifixion works is you have to lift yourself up in order to breathe, pushing on the nails and then lowering yourself. And men would fight for days sometimes in order to survive. But Jesus was willing to give up his life. And as a matter of fact, he said something to those who were crucifying him. He looked up to his father. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And he forgave those who crucified him. Six hours later, he died. He gave up his spirit, and he died. So I continue to watch what would happen And they took him and they buried him in the tomb of a man named Joseph. Joseph was from a place called Arimathea, and they put him in his tomb. That was on Friday late afternoon, just before evening. 
And then on Sunday, and on Monday, I began to hear rumors that Jesus was alive, that he wasn't in the tomb anymore. I heard rumors that he was alive, but I also heard some other rumors. I heard some rumors that the disciples had stolen his body and were making up this rumor, this lie, that he was in fact alive. Well, as I told you earlier, I was part of the guard of the high priest. And so I went and I talked to the Roman guards. Because although we were not friends, we were not enemies, we shared the same profession. There was a respect there. And I asked them, I said, what's the truth? And they said this. They said, the truth is that we were paid to tell people that we were asleep and that the disciples stole the body. But in fact, Jesus did rise from the dead and walk out of that tomb. And that's the truth. I never saw Jesus with my own eyes, but I heard many people talking about how he appeared to different people. Well, about a month, month and a half later or so, there's a festival in Jerusalem called Pentecost. And all these people came from all over, all different tribes, all different nations who spoke different languages, and they came for Pentecost. And the most amazing thing happened on this day. That the Holy Spirit came, and people began to speak and proclaim Jesus and talk in all of these different languages. People thought, gosh, are all these people drunk? No, it couldn't be. It's not even noon yet. And then Peter stood up, and he began to proclaim the truth about Jesus, that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again. And as I heard Peter proclaim that truth, I began to think about that myself. And did I believe that? And I wanted to believe, but I also realized that I was the one who struck Jesus on the mouth. And how could I, one who struck Jesus, then place my faith in him? It didn't seem right. But as I talked to some of his disciples, I understood, as they explained to me, why Jesus died on the cross. And they said to me, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, for the sin of hitting, of striking Jesus, for all the things that you thought and all the things that you've said and all the ways that you disobeyed and ran from God. He died for all of those. And I want to tell you this evening that Jesus died for your sins as well. Every small sin, every big sin, every sin you've committed once, and every sin you commit over and over and over again. Jesus Christ died for your sins. One of the things that Jesus said as he walked this earth, he said, I am the way, the truth, in the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And that day, I received Jesus as my Savior because I knew the truth that he was the Son of God who died on the cross and rose to the dead. And that's the greatest truth that can ever be known and the greatest truth that can ever be proclaimed. 
that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for sins, and rose from the dead. And that when a person, man, woman, or child, places his or her faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, then we have eternal life. And as we follow him, we have abundant life. Here's my challenge to you. Here's my encouragement to you. What will you do when you are confronted with truth? That sometimes the truth that we hear is uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable. Sometimes we hear truth and it requires us to change, to conform our lives to how Jesus wants us to live. Sometimes the truth makes us uneasy. And so when you are confronted with an uncomfortable truth, how will you respond? Will you respond like Pilate? Who basically said, I will please people instead of pleasing God. Will you respond like the Pharisees? Who said, we don't want to give up power. We don't want to give up control. Even though we see the truth in who Jesus is, we don't want to give up what we want. Will you be like me before I became a Christian and strike back at Jesus and try and ignore the truth that he speaks? Or will you be like me and embracing the truth when you see it and when you understand it and have new life? Because what Jesus said is when you know the truth, the truth shall set you free. And that's the way that God wants you to live, to embrace the truth about how he says to live. And that's where freedom is found. That's where life is found as we walk alongside of Jesus in this life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together, Lord. I thank you um, for the character in the New Testament who struck Jesus and yet Jesus responded with talking to him about the truth. God, I pray that we would understand and live the truth every day of our lives, Father. That when we are encountering difficult truth, that we wouldn't please the people around us, but that we would please you and you alone. Lord, would you give us that courage? In Jesus' name, amen.